Welcome to Tales from the Green Room, backstage conversations from popular music venues around the country, curated by Mount Tam Media. Listen in as host Dennis Trusulo and Mount Tam Media founder Tammy Larson dig up conversations with artists before and after shows in the exclusive confines of the Green Room. Hey, Dennis. Oh, hello. Don't <laughs> well, I do. say hello to you first, usually? <laughs> you do, but you weren't, so I know, that's beautiful. Hey, listen, again, we're always excited to bring an episode, right? But this one is thrilling and a little bit different, and it's actually the first of a three-part series, this episode, regarding and covering Andy Logan and the Grateful Guitars Foundation, of which he is founder and president. Yes, he is. <laughs> Thank you for Amazing me. individual. <laughs> Andy is an amazing interview, he, uh, interview, yes, and individual. He agreed to sit down with us to talk about Grateful Guitars, is his collection, etc., and invited us into his home in his own green room to do the interview. So we made the trek there, which was wonderful, because that way we got to see his collection. And uh, what happened when we were there? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a, it's a mighty collection, unbelievable collection. And our photographer's stuff was there, and we fortunately got a very, very elaborate education about these guitars that he's been collecting for years. And oh, wow. It yeah. was it was really a, a thrill for us. And I think he enjoyed uh, presenting all of it. But anyway, it was a three-hour tour, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and it went by in like 20 minutes. So all of a sudden, we looked at each other, all of us, and said, okay, we have to do this interview elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So we ended up doing it in the green room at Sweetwater, which was a perfect uh, situation for us, Sweetwater in Mill Valley. But along the way, we got to experience the collection. I'll just tell you this. I don't even know how many, neither does he, how many guitars he has. But I can tell you that every, from 1965 to 1995, you know, cover those years, he has at least uh, a replica or an actual or a remake of guitars played by Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead from all those years. So you can do the math. <laughs> yeah. And then some. And of course, that includes the famous alligator guitar. Which uh, we both got to hold. We got to hold and strum Not a little. Not play. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to say strum that Jerry played from, famously played from around 1970 to 73, including on Europe 72. The uh, turns out it's a 1957 Fender Stratocaster, and they had to find that out. By the way, we learned, you know, how they dissected it. Anyway, that, yeah, Jerry played that from what, 1970 to 73, yes, right? famously yes, yes. on the Europe 72 tour. That's, that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking alike, Tam. Today, oh, that's, that's very good. good. So, in any event, we got ourselves to Sweetwater and. It happened to be a night when Alligator was being presented to Johnny Molo. Nope. And I screwed that up. By the way, I screwed that up when I interviewed Johnny Mojo. Yes, you Johnny you Flores. Did. And I'm just going to continue to screw it up. That's going to be a thing. Yeah. Johnny. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> uh, we get confused with uh, uh, the- All of our Johnnies. <laughs> All the Johnnies. So in any case, uh, Johnny Mojo was playing it as part of a band called Keystone Revisited. And- Tony Saunders is part of that, Sunshine mm -hmm. Garcia, where, anyway, we're going to, you'll hear about it. But that guitar, 
one thing we found out is been played. So what he does, he, Andy, he gets these guitars, he puts them into the scene, the jam band scene, and allows the, the current players, especially in the Bay Area, to sit and play with them, which, mm-hmm. is, and we've talked about it on other interviews. And beyond the Bay, too, uh, Susan Tedeschi has played Alligator, mm-hmm. uh, which, by the way, uh, Andy owns. I mean, that's just Yeah, so, it's just so weird, isn't it's it? It's so cool. And also David Hildalgo mm-hmm. of uh, Los Lobos. So that comes up. Anyway, let's see. Well, well, the story of, you know, how he acquired Alligator, which was originally purchased at a pawn shop by Graham Nash for Jerry Garcia. That's that's all part of this interview as well. You're going to hear all the details about that, which is super cool. And the whole full circle thing about that. And then Andy gets into his history as uh, being both a deadhead and a gearhead. Right. (laughs) Big time gearhead. Unashamed by that, and as he should not be. So stay tuned for our <laughs> our gear podcast, yeah. which will be after all of these oh, interviews. Laugh, we're finding that we need to something we definitely need to be doing. Yeah, we laugh. We talked to Brian Rashup about that from the, the Mother Hips. Yeah, uh, when we talked to him at the Terrapin event. So that's coming. That's a coming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of this was in anticipation of the Grateful Guitars benefit, which took place at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco, that featured many of these players that Andy has either gifted to or allowed uh, these mm-hmm. guitars to play yep. or to play with, play on. And that was really headlined by um, several members of Dark Star Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Kadlicek, Stu Allen, Zach yeah. Nugent of Dead Set. Which we'll be there? covering all those in, in the next episode too. So, Well, there you go. And that is why, in fact, that is why, in fact, this turned into three episodes because yep. we did go to the benefit and we sat down in the green room there, the, the Great American, and interviewed a bunch of these folks to get their... Uh, their thrill, their feelings about uh, playing those instruments and about Andy. And Andy, clearly one of the sweetest, kindest men on the scene. Uh, we love him to death. And we want you guys to hear him right now from the green room at Sweetwater Music Hall in Mill Valley, California, episode one. Yeah. And let's not forget that uh, sitting in the green room was his wife and son. And you're going to hear a very touching, emotional story. We're not giving it away. But Becky and Hayden joined us in the, in the green room for this interview as well. Let's listen. Thank you. Logan, welcome to the green room at Sweetwater Music Hall. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really special. Uh, We are just thrilled. uh, And uh, Tammy and I, let's just start by telling our listeners that we had the absolute privilege of uh, touring your guitar collection with you as our host uh, two days ago at your home. And we're still um, shivering in, in a good way about it. So thank you so much for that. Awesome. Well, you guys were great guests. So thank, thank you. It's, yeah, I never know, so you know, like sharing what people are going to think of that whole space. Um, I've often compared myself to um, Richard Dreyfuss's character in Close Encounters. If you remember that film, um, he goes crazy making, you know, uh, Devil's Mountain or whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, everywhere he goes and I did a very deep dive in a similar way and all those guitars and things and sometimes people walk down there and they're a little shocked but it was so fun having you guys because you totally dig it and you're into it and that's the best. Yeah, we're not like some uh, random family member that's like, oh, God, Andy's going to bring us down there again. <laughs> See those guitars again, you know. Uh, well, got the, a new one. Oh, no. Well, the funny thing is it, it, I didn't realize how long. So this is a testament to how cool and fun it was. I didn't realize how long we were there. We were down there for almost three hours. Amazing, you know? right? And here's why, folks. Um, here's why. Because uh, Andy has at least one guitar, uh, either authentic or replica, from Jerry Garcia or 
uh, and um, Bobby Weir from 1965, used every year from 1965 to 1995, correct? Yes. That's a lot of guitars. How many? I don't count. Oh, good. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, partly because um, I uh, do gift guitars still personally, and so if a player comes through and just falls in love, and I, you know, it's not like a tiger that those are special and they're needed, you know, for yeah. a lot of gigs because Jerry was 79 to 89 on Tiger. So, um, but if I, you know, I have had two Tigers before um, and someone falls in love with one, then they usually end up getting it. So, um, they do kind of come and go at times. Um, so the number does move around. Um, but I also, yeah, I just don't want to know. The number's not, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know. Well, the number's probably not important, really. I mean, the numbers that are important, though, are 65 to 95. I think that's yes. quite relevant. So let, let's talk about that, because I was chomping at the bit or biting my tongue, one of those things, uh, or both during uh, the, uh, the tour, because I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask, but I wanted to save them. I wanted to save them for this. I didn't want you to be prepared. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, not that you need to be prepared to answer any of these questions, but one thing that came out, this was great, we spent the time, was that your first uh, Grateful Dead show, because uh, I was going to ask when I was preparing for this in the first place, I was going to ask, okay, how would you become a deadhead and that kind of thing. But I at least fast forward to the fact that I believe your first show was somewhere... 1987 was it 88 well so uh april 3rd 88 was the first show i attended um that i got in uh the first show that i went to was worcester 87 i didn't get in um because they were so popular and uh, we were late coming from boarding school and um i think i may have shared that i've learned since that i should have knocked on all the doors because they had a ton of doors around that venue and apparently heads were inside if they heard that, it would pop it open, open for it. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were too excited to have fun that night, and uh, we, we took acid and, and uh, played in the mall, and there was an Easter bunny in there, and it was crazy <laughs> no, there, fun. No, there wasn't. <laughs> right. There might not have been. We saw one. <laughs> there might not have been. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a very fun evening, and they did have the, the show piping in, but... Um, in a good way, um, and I'd also I had another false start in '86. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, got tickets uh, for the um, show in Buffalo '86, which was um, Tom Petty and the Dead, and uh, I was I had I had the ticket. I was gonna go. I mean, I was 16, um, newly 16, and. Um, my mom said nothing like I couldn't go, so I was game. And then uh, we had a 4th of July thing on Martha's Vineyard we would do every summer with extended family. And uh, right before that, she pulled the rug out on me. And, it, and that was sort of what I learned. You know, no offense, Mom, but that was her style. Um, to kind of, you know, drop the hammer at the 11th hour. The appropriate you know. time. Right. So, um, but in a really good way. I mean, I was very neophyte in 86. Um, 87 was getting more into it. And so by the time I did get to go see my first shows, I was already really well-versed in all the bootlegs, or not all the bootlegs, but a lot of the bootlegs, and I knew what was happening. So that was a good part of being kind of late. Well, you wouldn't have had the story that you have now if you did it any other way. This <laughs> right. is your story, Andy. Yes, <laughs> and I will, for the record, I, have, I always have to give my mom credit because she did send me out for New Year's Eve run, which was four shows in 1989. So she did 
you know, get me the plane ticket and send me out here to the Bay Area for those shows. So wow. um, she made up for 86. I think we decided that I was at that show, didn't we, when we were talking? I think we yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so. there were some very special ones, including that one in 83 with well, that, with that uh, Bobby's uh, Black Knife. Yes. I don't know right. if you've listened uh, since. But I the, have not yet, but I'm Alex, going to. Alex, Jordan and I were just talking about it yesterday, and I was saying that you were there and that you you know, had been at that show, and um, he was like, oh, I love 1227-83. It's all you hear is Bobby, the whole the mix. All you can hear is Bobby on that guitar. And I'm like, yeah. well... We have so many good notes from our visit to go back and listen to certain shows, you know. Yeah, uh, I know that's the, the thing. We all need notebooks. To oh, yeah, remember. I do. I, and or I just call you and ask, "What was that yeah. show again?" Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So okay, so you sort of organically uh, sort of became interested or involved or got the dead uh, as a, a youngster, right? Yeah, I mean, the, it was such a popular band. This was Westminster School outside of Hartford, uh, Simsbury, Connecticut. Um, tons of deadheads, um, and as you know, I mean, it was heading towards touch and just you know it was yeah. such a huge phenomenon already starting um and it's weird too how when you become a head um how the era you love you love right whereas some other head might be like oh i hate that yeah. era or whatever you know i remember um when i was getting into the gear i love the gs1 that brent played in the early 80s it's a very mm-hmm. splashy sound and and all through westminster in 86 87 um were the bootlegs from when that keyboard was prevalent in the early 80s, right? Because it was a lag, right? Yeah. So, like, I remember a lot of 85, 84, 83 bootlegs, um, and that keyboard kind of went away in 86. Um, but I remember, you know, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 20 years ago or something on the Dead Forum being like, I'm trying to find that cool sound from the mid-80s, and then a bunch of, you know, heads were like, why do you want that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that sound sucked. What know? was the first thing that you collected in terms of... Um, actually, it was uh, I, for my wife. Um, she uh, so when Jerry died, I I, um, I wanted to play. I'd always wanted to play an instrument. I tried to learn to play the guitar in high school and college, and quote unquote, it was too hard. My hands are too small, whatever. Um, and so I, but I still really wanted to do that. And then when Jerry died, um, I was like, okay, it's time. You got to do something. So I picked up the drums because I could hold the rhythm. And that was fun, and I still do play sometimes, but um, there's no melody, you know, and so playing alone, not that much fun. Um, My wife um, picked up the guitar at that same time. I think you should introduce your wife because she's in the room. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's my wife, Becky, over there. And my son, Hayden, is here, my eldest son. I I don't think, you know, because he's my wife, my son. Well, it's Becky and Hayden. Yes, Becky. And and they are uh, witnessing this uh, interview at a 
Very special. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, and we'll so always, anyway, we'll always have this moment recorded after this time. Yeah. By the way, we'll yeah. we'll talk about that later or not. But yeah. anyway. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. happy to. I, yeah. I don't mind sharing because yeah. I know um, how prevalent that is for people. Okay. So, yeah. um, but the um, uh, anyway. So you know, this is like 1996, 95, 96, and um, my wife needed an acoustic to start, and so I went and got a Takamini because that was what Jerry played, right? Mm-hmm. So that was truly the first Jerry guitar that I bought, and then um, when she um, got better and was playing with some electric, I got a Sunburst Strat, which was also you know motivated by Jerry. Mm-hmm. So. Were you thinking you're collecting at this point? No. No, no. no. I just was following someone I loved great advice on the products to buy yeah, right, you know right. which has been a thing this whole time like i mean it's kind of not surprising but it is surprising in a way like buying all these different guitars of all these different years and you're like oh my god this sounds so good like this is so cool mm-hmm. and then like oh yeah it's bobby and jerry of course it sounds good right, right. they they really care about yeah. their tone and cared about their tone in jerry's case and so um it's probably not surprising that you know their choices were kick-ass so yeah, that, that's a great question. Yes. I was I was kind of wondering, you know, where did it all begin? The bus came by, but uh, <laughs> but at, at some point, so you're buying. At what point did you say, "Shit, I'm collecting guitar. I'm I'm a collector." Did you ever say that? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably 2008 was when it got mm. really legitimate. Um, but the Cripe guitar that I got in 2013 is when things sort of shifted into a bigger place, um, from um, maybe more hobby to there's something here um, that was inspiring players. Because, um, you know, before it was just, I thought it was kind of fun and cool. Sure. And, and, you know, jamming with friends and playing. And um, But when I started loaning out the Cripe guitar, um, which uh, was 10 years ago this spring, it's the first guitar I loaned oh, out, wow. um, was to Jeff Matson uh, at the Great American, of all places, uh-huh. which is kind of a cool... We'll symmetry. be talking oh, about wow. that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was the it was the Saturn guitar, which was the guitar that... Um, the dad had commissioned to be the next uh, guitar after Lightning Bolt that Jerry would play. And sadly, Jerry died during construction, and so um, it was never given to the dead um, or paid for, thankfully. And not to sound that way, but just well, we would never have you it. You wouldn't have it. Yeah. Right, if that was yeah. the case, and, and all these bands wouldn't get to play and things. So that, that was really, really the beginning of it. Um, and then the next big um, sea change was when um, Phil was doing his recreation shows at Terrapin Crossroads yes. and um, Stu Allen um, who had used the cry before was doing those gigs mm-hmm. and so um, we we started doing a lot of loaning for those uh, gigs and it was just so fun because as we went through the years um, you know and in some cases I didn't have a you know a certain guitar maybe like that Les Paul Deluxe for 71 or whatever it was depending on the gig they were doing um, and so um, there were little holes that were getting filled all throughout the process um, which was really fun was that it was not was it intentional though that you were going to acquire these guitars and loan them or was that sort of an organic thing as well it was combo combo I mean, in the beginning it was more um, I just thought it was cool you know like I said Jerry and Bobby have great mm-hmm. taste so it was a little bit of that um, but then, like I said, when I started loaning out the Cripe, you start to quickly see how amazing um, these players are, of course, firsthand, and then sometimes that their gear isn't all that we would wish, you know. And so um, it was also really clear to me that um, they were really excited and inspired um, to have something as a loner, but then I would leave, you know, and that <laughs> bummed me out, you know what yeah. I mean? Because that's just one night, maybe a quarter or one night a year, or whatever it is, depending on which band it was. 
Um, and so it just struck me that, um, gosh, you know, it's, it, I feel very blessed and fortunate to be able to, you know, buy these instruments, but these guys really deserve them. And so, you know, how can, uh, how can we help? You know, how can we give back? Mm-hmm. And so um, just started um, gifting guitars in, in those years. Um, like uh, Travis Bean, uh, when I got um, that one from 77 from Travis Bean Designs, they made 10. I ordered one for me. I knew Jeff Matson had one on order, so I got one for Stu Allen as well. And um, that was really fun when I delivered that to him at Ashkenaz because he didn't really fully get it, right? Because I've loaned a lot to people, and that happened a few times where people were like, wait a minute, are you, are you saying this is mine now? Like, yeah. And that's really yeah. a, a cool feeling. It's yeah. really fun, yeah. yeah. And so um, watching them, you know, get blown away. And then, yeah. um, like I said, the inspiration that they have emanates out to all of us, you know, yeah. in the audience. And that's, that's, that's funny. I mean, the they're, selfish part in a way. Yeah, yeah well, really I mean, fun. their first reaction is, why are you doing this, right? right. <laughs> why are you doing this for me? Yeah. Um, and that's the reason. Yeah, uh, and that I mean, and I get that too. You know, everyone, um, nobody wants to feel like they quote would need to be given something or whatever. But, and so there is always a little bit of a thing there. You know, whenever mm-hmm. you know, um, there's money involved or whatever it is like that. Um, but I think um, at this point, people know um, that it's completely from the heart, and mm-hmm. that this is all just about our scene and having it last mm-hmm. as long as possible. And my hope is forever. Um, and you know, I make a joke on Grateful Guitars board. You know, wolf in every bar. You know, like yeah. we, we, that's what we want. You know, and yeah. so uh, like when Fender was asking about making alligator replicas, I was like, of course, yes. You know, we, we I'll never say no <laughs> to yeah. clones and replicas <laughs> of these instruments because I know what they do. I mean, the smallest dead band it just makes their whole scene and all of their fans too. I mean, if I go, you know, with Cubensis or any band around. Um, those fans will come up to me and say, oh my God, thank you so much for giving Nate LaPointe that black knife. It's just mm-hmm. made the world, you know, to us. And so um, it's really fun. <laughs> that's good. The <laughs> smile, everybody. We don't have a video going here, but that, that's a great smile. I, I, I just think it's, uh, it's, everybody knows now what you're doing. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows what you're doing now. And I probably should have said at the outset here, we've, done so many uh, interviews and so many times your name comes up comes up so lovingly mm-hmm. and just with appreciation so word out Andy yeah. what thank you're you. doing um, and thank you for this opportunity yeah. to talk yeah. more about oh, it oh yeah. And, yeah and so at some point the foundation I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here but at some point uh, Grateful Guitars Foundation is formed yes how long ago did that begin so I think it was probably 20 18 or 17 when I first had the idea to make a nonprofit to do this um, mm-hmm. because um, you know I wanted it to be bigger you know I mean uh, mm-hmm. we've gifted a lot um, I, I should know all of them I don't I used to track them in notes but I've lost track impossible um, <laughs> to and, know them all. yeah I mean and, yeah. and yet you know with a foundation we can do so much more yeah so that's the hope yeah um, and so um, however we were also working on this documentary on the tribute scene which started in the summer of 2018, and the goal was to get that done, and maybe, you know, of course, um, how you think about these things, it'll happen, you know, in three years, right? I'll be done with this talk in one to three years. It's still not over. <laughs> so, um, however, over. yeah, I can, I'm figuring that. Um, but the, the plan was to have the doc launch the foundation, oh. and so that it would happen, you know, in, in, an, in an order that wouldn't 
you know, have me underwater. Yeah. Um, and so we started working with a lawyer, and, and then uh, they told me it would take a while with the IRS. So, okay, no problem. We're working on this doc. It'll all work out. And then when COVID hit, <laughs> oh, that. Um, yeah, um, the lawyer reached out, and uh, she was like, um, you guys have to start. You know, the IRS has given you your... Did you, know, you now? Did you get a fiscal sponsor for for the five hundred one c three? Did you get a fiscal sponsor until you got it? No, oh, okay. no, we just okay. we just uh, went right for it, and um, but then once we had it, we had to start. Right, and even though the movie wasn't done, and um, we just had to long. Well, they, they don't it. let you. The IRS does not let you lose money for very long on a project that's not making money. Is that right? Is that I, kind I'm of, sure that's <laughs> going to be the reason. I think I it's something like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Usually is right. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, I'm kind of underwater with with uh, um, finishing this movie and then also um, rolling out uh, the foundation um, but it is you know it's a labor of love I have you take the words out of my mouth yeah. right it is a labor of love and I don't know these things pay off that's what I think yeah you know? and in many ways you know um, I think it actually the universe is looking out for us right mm-hmm. in so many of these ways right. and um, because of that lag or whatever um, we've made a lot more momentum. And so I think when the doc comes out, it'll be better. It's it's gotten so much stronger through all this time, um, and we're really getting to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm really happy in a way, even though yeah. it's been five years and you know, yeah. it's been busy. Yeah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to when it's out. <laughs> um, it's still, I think, it, you know, it just keeps kind of happening that way. Yeah. You know, and that's so our scene too. I feel like that's been the way this whole thing has been. You know, mm-hmm. um, Dennis, you mentioned. Um, you, you said, you know, you're like a magnet. Right. And, and I was thinking about that, and it, it was true. When we needed, you know, some random instrument for one of those gigs because Phil chose this date or whatever, and it happened to be that guitar, you know, lo and behold, there it was on the Internet. You know, it's really pretty right. amazing. Yeah. I mean, it just happens. Yes. That yeah. is the cool. universe coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. that yeah. meant, I, and I had asked uh, during our tour, I had asked Andy, how, you know, how do you find these guitars mm-hmm. and do you intentionally look for them and, and it, opportunities arise and uh, he jumps on it. So that's the magnet part that you're talking about or I was talking about. It, yeah. And, and it's uh, just weird how it's right when you need it. Yeah. You know, we're doing 78 and we need and Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just got the I finally got my cowboy just yeah. in time or whatever wow. it is. Yeah. That's that's the universe. That I is. Think, you know, I, I had to help. So 2018. So it had to be a shot in the arm. Uh, when you got uh, alligator for yeah. the foundation, it had yes. to be right. Oh yeah, tell I mean, us about that. Yeah, I want to hear more about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean it's kind of well documented, but uh, tell us because we're yeah. here for goodness' no, sake. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, I I really truly never thought I would own a Jerry played um, electric guitar. Um, they just were crazy expensive um, or really rare. You know, there just weren't a lot of them left out there. Um, there's still a couple hanging around, um, but not something like alligator right mm-hmm. um and so you know after wolf went for so much for brian halligan um, i figured alligator would be you know a, a million or more you know just there's no way right sure. um and so the tiger was about that about it was a million, million. Almost, it was yeah. a mi- well in 2002 it was okay. a million so i don't know what it is what that translates what it's worth today. Now, yeah. and, and what if he sold it today right um but uh um you know wolf was um um, first, uh, the um, Pritchett. Am I saying that right? Um, I think it's the Pritchett family, but I I am drawing a blank in this moment. Okay. Um, 
but the we're um, not much help over here. I know. Um, <laughs> they owned it first, and then um, it was sold to Brian Halligan, and there was a big uh, sale in New York, and um, I think it was uh, maybe two point nine, and then with another uh, matching gift um, that the that that family. Um, and my wife is maybe looking it up. Like, yeah, uh, you can. Um, it's allowed. Which is helpful. Yeah, um, this is allowed. Come on, Beck. Um, I know, right? <laughs> Faster. Um, we, here, here's the internet uh, password, by the way, the green room at Sweetwater. In case you want to speak. Oh, there you go. How about that? You may already have that. Right. And so, anyway, they gave a matching gift to the Southern Poverty Law Center, too, um, in that sale. And so it was a big figure. And... Um, Anyway, I just figured there was no way um, Alligator wasn't going to be something crazy like that. Um, so uh, Jerry also, um, or, or his widow, was selling um, the uh, Martin guitar um, that was in the auction, 1943 Martin, that um, they had used on Festival Express and then mm-hmm. um, recorded American Beauty on, and then the subsequent um, acoustic sets that they did in 70. Um, and so... I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for that because that's I have a shot. It's an acoustic, you know. Maybe this cool, this will work. Um, and thankfully, um, they listed that one before Gator. Um, so I went for it and ended up uh, winning that um, item. Um, and so I was feeling great. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, did you find on? Not yet. Okay, no, <laughs> no worries. We got time. Um, and so. Uh, um, I set a budget for 400000 for Alligator, and um, um, why did I do that? I did it because I, it, it's a guitar, you know, I, it just, there was a number in my mind. Seemed like the right seemed number. Seemed like the right number, you know, it's, it, I didn't, you know, I have kids and all these things, and I'm just <laughs> like, okay, that's a crazy number, it's a guitar. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I was pretty confident that it would hold value, but anyway, I also thought, at least I can do some bids. Maybe I'll get a couple of bids in there before it flies by. And I did, uh, I think maybe around 300 or something, I got my first one in. Um, and then um, uh, the auctioneer um, at Bonham's, um, you know, it got up to uh, 400. I didn't even get the 400 in. Um, and then he said, uh, it's 420 to you. And um, because I'm a deadhead, and <laughs> I, um, I actually had 420 on my mortarboard oh, yeah. oh, in college when I graduated. I had, I had a 420 <laughs> on my mortarboard, and it was very new at the time. Um, I think that's the right term, right? Is it mortarboard? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I was graduating from college, St. Lawrence University in 1992. And uh, Pritcher, is that a Beck? Yeah. But it doesn't say... Go ahead, give her, give her some, give her some sound. Come on, Becky. come on. She's not gonna do it. Go ahead. Um, no, I'm just reading that Wolf was auctioned off to benefit the Southern Poverty Law Center in 2017 for over 1.6 million, and the bid was matched by an anonymous donor, raising a total of 3.2 million. Oh my! Oh my wow. Yes, it's the Pritzker family, by the Pritzker. way. Pritzker. Yeah, there That's all I need. I just need a little reminder. Yeah. So I think the Pritzkers bought it for 800 when they first bought Wolf. And then that's what it sold for, wow. and then it was matched by the Pritzkers very generously to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, so anyway, um, 420 was special to me. Um, I had I had spent the summer in 1990 here in California in the Bay, um, so we got to see New Year's '89. My college roommate lived in Kenfield, wow. so uh, we came back in the summer of '90, drove across country, um, caught the incredible Cal Expo uh, summer '90 shows, and then in, right after that, a week later, was into Shoreline. Incredible. Um, six shows I highly recommend if you haven't heard them um, I think I've written David Lemieux a few times begging him to do a box set of those, <laughs> right. those shows because um, they really rocked and not surprisingly they have released a lot of the film 
of the concerts that happened in July in the East of those of those shows. So mm-hmm. it was a culmination, right? right? After Spring 90, you know, Brent, everything was just firing. Yeah. So that was really, really fun. Um, and so, uh, what was he selling? Oh, yeah, 420. 420. So, uh, <laughs> Funny, um, short-term memory loss. What's I know, going on here? one drawback. <laughs> I really, I will say, marijuana is amazing and uh, creativity in so many amazing ways, but that is the one drawback. It's every once in a while. I'm going to interrupt you for one second because he had to refer back to our, an interview with Jay Lane where we were talking about uh, drugs in the green room. Oh my gosh! And and he started he started to tell this amazing story, and then he, somebody interrupted him. And then he goes, "What was I? Ta- what were we talking about?" It was very funny. And then the story continued. But so you're not alone. You're I in good we're company. Talking about drugs in the green room. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> so you're in good company. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, our friend uh, um, here, um, uh, also a great buddy from college, uh, lived in Ross. Um, and so my buddy Mike and Kenfield, my other buddy Todd in Ross. Um, and Todd had a buddy named Johnny Ramsey, uh, who's from that from Ross. And and so Johnny was all about 420. And he was just <laughs> so amped about it. And he had 420 stickers. And he would stick them everywhere all around and talk about 420. There are 420 active chemicals in marijuana, and it, you know there's some legal code 420. There's all this stuff about 420 and talking about um, you know the whole story here in oh, Marin where right. people yeah. go yeah. get high. San Rafael High, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so and it was, it was very unknown, you know, back at that time in 1990. And so we started celebrating 420 at St. Lawrence. Um, you know, so April 20th we would you know smoke out all day. Not that that was that different from other days. <laughs> But ahead, anyway, of, ahead of his time. Um, but yeah, so so that's why I had 420 on my mortarboard, and it drove my dad crazy because he is that kind of person, and he was like, "What is that? I want to know what 420 is," you know. And I just said, "Dad, inside joke, Dad. Don't worry about it." Um, so anyway, when when the auctioneer or whatever the guy I was on the phone with um, said it's 420 to you. I had to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I just can't say no. I have to say yes. But you must have thought, okay, 420, that's cool, but I'm not going to get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No chance, right? Yeah, exactly. And then what was weird was, um, and I I was a a friend of mine had passed away from college. I planned to be down there in L.A., you know, attending and, and raising a pout and all that. But because I just gotten back from the East from that funeral, I had to do it over the phone. And so that's why I was on the phone with this gentleman. And... Um, but it was very weird because you don't know, right? You're on the phone, um, you know, so I'm listening and I could hear giggling and stuff and, and just quiet. And he was quiet, and but I could hear kind of laughing. And I was waiting for, you know, some other internet bidder or another phone bidder or anyone in the room to raise that bid. And people were chuckling because it was 420. Right. And, and that we were getting hung up on 420, people thought that was funny. And then it got louder and louder as it was like, you know, going once, that whole thing. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And people were like, oh my God, this is going to sell for 420. Like, oh are you my kidding God, me? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, Sold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you got it. And wow. I was blown away. I got, I mean, I got emotional with the Martin, but I also got more emotional with, with Alligator. Um, in part because I was two in 1972, <laughs> and I knew that I would get to hear it. Yeah. You know, wow. I just I was like, okay, awesome. Now I'm gonna get to hear this guitar played live, you know. And we're gonna get to open it up and see what it is because for years before that, um, there's a dead form called called Are You Kind, mm-hmm. and um, before Facebook and all these things, that was the place that all of us would go, mm-hmm. all the gearheads. Um, you know, to to maybe learn a song or to uh, get help with making um, a guitar rig 
or just asking questions, you know, whatever it was about the dad, you know, um, was this Jerry on this track or whatever it was. Um, and people would, were super, super helpful. And I mean, as the name went, are you kind, right? The point was yeah. to be helpful, kind yeah. deadheads. Um, they were the ones that criticized the GS1 sound, though, uh, of course, because yeah. they're salty deadheads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, oh, God, now I'm drawing a blank on why I was bringing up Are You Kind. Um, hmm? Oh, yes, thank you. Amazing. Amazing. So glad you guys are here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot to. My <laughs> alternate brains. Um, so uh, uh, Alligator was one of the mysteries. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was sharing with you guys in our basement about like the, the tiger carve. No mm-hmm. one knew, like, right. is it... Is it got tons of modeling on it, or is it mostly smooth? Is the modeling that we're seeing just the lights, you know, or, or the photographer, or the weird angles and stuff? And so there are lots of questions about every instrument. And mm-hmm. at the time, nobody, you know, really had access to them. They weren't really ever coming out to get played. So they were pretty much all locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with Alligator, it was really locked up because no one had any idea where it was. I mean, literally did not mm-hmm. know. It was gone. No one had a clue. And so, um, no one knew where the the guitar was. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, there was a question about what is alligator. And a lot of times it had been referred to as the Franken strat among the dead crew. Uh, And I get it when you look at it, it's got um, brass and half a pick guard and, Mm -hmm. you know, stickers all over it. So it has that feeling of like a landing zone Mm -hmm. for lots of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was speculation that it was a, a 57 neck, with a 63 body, um, and I think actually um, it's possible it still says that on the jerrygarcia.com website. I have to, I have no. to ask. They mm-hmm. fixed it? Sweet. Okay, yeah, let me know. You're having influence. Because <laughs> I, would, I would like to know uh, um, and just help them set the record straight. So we were all really excited to know what it is, right? Mm. And, and so I knew I'd be getting it soon. And then we could open it up and really see what is this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I drove down um, and picked it up. Uh, I think it's the only time I've ever done that, driven down to LA and back I was in asking, one shot. Where was it? It was yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was down at Bonhams in uh, oh, was that, on Sunset. Was How did they get it? I'm sorry to interrupt. That oh yeah, story. so yeah. Uh, uh, it was through Deborah. Oh, it was through Deborah. Um, okay. And so, um, you know, uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of right, legal she, stuff around that. But that's okay. All right. I do know um, that Trixie was uh, said to me that um, they didn't know where it was. And, and she said they're very, very happy that I ended up with it. Yeah. yeah. So that made me feel good. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, um, the really exciting day was the next day. Um, and I did that drive. I went there, grabbed it, and came back. Um uh, which many people are like, you're crazy. You're going to LA and back. And I'm like, it's alligator. Yeah, Hell I'm doing yeah. that. Yeah, you know? And I have no problem doing it. It was cake. Um, the only issue was going to the bathroom. You know, with the alligator Martin in the back, oh. that was terrifying because oh I was alone. God. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, I went once um, right, after, <laughs> right after the grapevine, um, and I, I uh, there's a um, right after the grapevine um, on the Vol Road. Um, there's a uh, like one of those little mini marts by the Chevron. Um, and so I highly recommend it for anyone has to use the restroom <laughs> on that drive because if you park right in front of that mini mart, you, yeah. you kind of have to hope that it'd be really bold to smash a car like right in front of the doors of that place. So I backed up my car oh. right to that, raced in, you know, 
come on, come on, come on, hurry up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and then race back out, and was so happy to was, see everything it was, was still intact. there. Yeah. <laughs> so. That reminds me, Hayden, could you go check on alligator right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm As we sit here, alligator is on stage at Sweetwater uh, in uh, Johnny yeah. Molo's hands. Right? Uh, Johnny Mojo. Yeah. yeah I mean Johnny Mojo's yeah, hands. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um, and so anyway, but the next day, <laughs> I brought it to Griffin Strings in Palo Alto, which is a legendary guitar sh- guitar store that's helped me with a lot of gear and help me, um, you know, uh, resuscitate old gear or fix old guitars and get them back on stage because they totally dig what this is all about. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure shops love helping customers no matter what, but it gives them a little more um, of a thrill or whatever to be mm-hmm. knowing that, hey, I'm working on this instrument. It's going to be on stage tonight at Terrapin right. or whatever it is. So they were um, have always been a really great partner um, as well as a bunch of luthiers as well. Um, and so... Um, they were really excited. Um, there were probably like six or seven of us huddled around Alex Jordan, who's a huge gearhead and great friend. Um, and so we were, you know, like opening a Christmas present, you know, cracking the neck off of this guitar, right? And wow. Brian Michael, who's a luthier, who is uh, um, the main person who I work with down there, um, he works on all the guitars for me. Um, and so, you know, he asked me one more, you know, you sure? Because, you know, you never know, right? You unscrew the, the neck and it should come apart easily it shouldn't be a big deal but you never know mm-hmm. i mean it's wood i mean it's possible like something could snap or break yeah. but i had a feeling you know fender strong product you know it'll yeah. be scary okay. though a little, a little scary. scary yeah a little scary i'm scared yeah. and i know it'll <laughs> turn out okay <laughs> so, so and it did take a couple of wax like he you know he pulled the back plate off unscrewed it pulled the black the back plate off and um it didn't just instantly come apart it took a little hmm. you know and then it mm-hmm. came apart Ooh. and it was uh, so that was a teeny bit scary you know but i was like okay this gotta work right you know oh. um and then there it was on the inside um tg which is the initials of tadeo gomez um and and uh that person's initials are like in uh eric clapton's famous instruments and, and that was someone who was shaping the necks back then and so um uh, yeah, so that was crazy, and I should know this. I can't remember if it was the neck or the body, but um, between the two, it was either two fifty-five and three fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that told us that the guitar was through and through a nineteen fifty-five Stratocaster. Wow. It's not a Franken Strat. It is wow. a fifty-five 55. through and through. And uh, one of the guys at Griffin leaned over and said, well, we just made you an extra 20000 or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, which was funny. It was hilarious. The whole That's... room cracked up because it was it was surprising. I mean, we we thought maybe that was true, that it was a 57 neck, you know, a- attached to a 63 body. I have since learned uh, from uh, working with Rick Turner on getting it back going um, that, that it wasn't as common to do that kind of thing to mm-hmm. instruments the way they do nowadays where they swap a neck off or I mean there were some people that did it like Gilmore and Clapton people that wanted to make a perfect guitar mm-hmm. I mean those guys maybe would do mm-hmm. it but generally it wasn't a thing as much so um, now in kind of hindsight it doesn't surprise me as much that it was a 55 um, and it was stripped it was a sunburst strat mm-hmm. um, originally and it was stripped of all the paint which is why it looks the way it does now like natural um, and that was a thing that people were doing back then because a 50-something Strat, you know, in 68 or 70 or whatever, uh, wasn't a big deal, you know, the way it is nowadays, mm-hmm, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, nowadays it would be just a sin to, to take off the, yeah. you know, tobacco sunburst. Um, but I guess that was a thing. That's what uh, Rich Hogue is a good buddy, and he told me that was a thing back then. And, and so um, he showed me in the neck pocket where you could even see some of the sunburst still. Um, and so... Uh, 
Anyway, but it's very unique. Um, it's all one piece as well. So a lot of times those old ones will, will still be a matchbook, um, mm-hmm. the body. Um, modern strats are often three pieces, mm-hmm. um, but alligator is all one piece of wood. And it's this crazy light, um, you know, resonates obviously uh, really, really well. Um, and when I brought it to Fender, um, they said it was the lightest vintage strat they'd seen. Um, which says a lot, um, and they were saying not only to say a lot because of they see so many of these, but um, also because of all the brass work mm-hmm. and the um, Alembic Stratoblaster that's in there, and there's a nine volt battery in there, so there's a lot of extra weight, right, with all that brass and, and all those parts, and, mm-hmm. and it's still that light is pretty still remarkable, light. yeah. So, um, and then again, I always do this, right? Jerry and Bobby, right? Of course it's amazing. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And Jerry kept it. You're know? not surprised. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he kept the Martin as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, to me that was also really special about the, those two instruments in that auction um, because Jerry's famous for giving uh, guitars away. He's yeah. you know, such a generous person. And so, but the, he did keep these two, right? He did. Yeah. So there was something there was a reason for that. There was something yeah. about that. Right? Dissecting the guitars. I mean, yeah. I don't think people think about I that. Know. Like, okay, Andy Logan got the so guitar. That's cool. But di- <laughs> I mean, literally <laughs> dissecting. It's not dissecting it just, you know, sort of figuratively, literally dissecting the guitar. Yes, and I do need to set the record straight, and you can edit me out here uh, if you no, want. No, no, um, no, no, but. No, no, uh, no. Um, right now, if you go on Fender's website, it says that they did that, uh-huh. um, and um, they didn't. They didn't, and it, it's upsetting because I told them that story when I brought it down there, oh, and they were wow. all on the edge of their seats. What? And so it's so shocking to me uh, that right now, terrible. if you go on their the, the press release and the website link, it says that their master builder opened it up and was so shocked to see what? that it was a 55. Yeah, it's, well, it's amazing. I, you know, we cool. one thing we learned uh, a couple of days ago at the Andy's house was um, he set the record straight with a lot of people, right? On a few mm-hmm. few people, including people that you would think uh, knew a little bit more, but yeah. not so much. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's, not, <laughs> it's not because I know either, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just because um, I and Alex and all of our group of people, um, I'm in a, um, a chat group, uh, Twisted uh, Guitar Heads, and it's uh, <laughs> Alex Jordan and Nate LaPointe and Zach Nugent and myself. And, and many other people, Rick Turner, I mean, uh, Jason Schooner on the Grateful Guitars Board, our whole team at Grateful Guitars, we just want to get it right. Yeah. And we know that the longer the distances between yes. the dead and yes. uh, the future, the greater chance of it being wrong. Absolutely. And so we were open to being wrong, but we just want to make sure we've yes. dotted every I and crossed well, every T in that process. There's and, information available to verify what you're talking about. Right. right? And, and so, no. you know, whether it's looking at photos, you know, we've all gotten really good about knowing, no, nope, Bobby's hair is too long. That's not 76. Yeah. That's, that's, that photo is dated yeah. wrong. Because one of the issues is when you're going through trying to, you know, replicate all these guitars through all these years, you know, you have to do a lot of internet sleuthing, right, to mm-hmm. see what's going on. Um, and for a long time, that was not too bad. But now it's gotten terrible because, um, you know, with Google... Um, if someone writes an article about Cornell, let's say, mm-hmm. and they do pull a photo from 76 mm. or 78, right? now that photo forevermore on the internet is linked to 5877. Yeah. And so the amount of times you'll see in our scene a poster about a recreation show with a date and the picture's wrong, wrong. and I don't blame the promoter or whoever did it. Because, you know, yeah. it looks like that is the date and only us freaks know that Jerry's hair is wrong yeah. or, he doesn't, or the beard's not there or whatever it is. 
um, you know, um, and there is a little bit of an issue with Jerry because a lot of times he would wear the same shirts. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. Right. Blackish. Uh, well, for those, but also the early 70s, that, yeah. that yeah. blue, yeah, the, yeah, the blue the, button down, yeah, yeah. he wore all the time. And so those dates can be really hard to figure out. Um, where's Bobby and the rest of the band? You know, we'll change their outfits. They so have different can, short shorts. Right. Right. Or, or, or uh, white pants, like yeah. in English Town, you know, for Bobby or whatever. Like you start to know, like, what's, what's in their wardrobe, which oh, sounds, yeah. I'm sure. Sorry, Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. uh, we're not crazy. We're not stalkers, but it is help. It helps us identify the correct date, and we we just want to get it right because if we feel like if we don't get it all as close to just exactly perfect, to steal the phrase, um, you know, then you right. know what are the, what's the next group going to do, right? You know, I'm 53. You know, our our hope is to hand it off to the next group, like it was Alex Jordan's yeah. you know generation yeah. or whatever, and then they're going to have to hand it off to the next. Yeah, and the, the game of telephone gets very. Uh real yeah. in this situation right? big time yeah yes. shout out to Alex I mean he's yeah. uh, we he, by the way a uh, Tales from the Green Room guest as well yeah. prior awesome. to you awesome. and uh, we didn't know all of that well we did it we interviewed him after his um, appearance at the Mill Valley Music Festival on the side stage mm-hmm. I believe it was mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know but, but just we love Alex oh, yeah. <laughs> he's so amazing so skilled yeah. and, and also What's so amazing is, uh, as a gearhead, he knows so much. He's right. He's like an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, he's our musical director for the Benefit yes. show. Um, and a huge reason of that is that he knows so much about all the gear. I mean, he's mm-hmm. worked on keys, guitars. He mm-hmm. can play um, horns. He can play the bass. You know, on his first album, there's tracks he did on the bass himself. Um, so... He's, he is uniquely situated as a musical director because he can literally say, yeah. you know, try this or whatever to someone, and he really does know. You know, he can yeah, play I, Jerry I Leeds mean, or he can do Bobby, Bobby Roll. It makes perfect sense now because when I saw that he was the music director, I thought, oh, that's interesting because I didn't know any of the things that he just told me. Yeah. And it's uh, now it makes 100% yeah. perfect sense, yeah, right? So I guess it's fair to say that you never begrudge that extra 20 grand. <laughs> no, that's right. No Even before you heard that the, it was worth 20 grand more or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that but, was just so. Um, cool and fun because um you know those mysteries you never know if you're ever going to know right like people wonder about like what's on titanic or those kind of questions you kind of you don't know if you're ever going to see an instrument or something to have an answer or something like that so it was so thrilling to um to be able to share that with everybody um and i think i shared with you that sometimes there's misinformation out there It's, it's still it still continues you know people speculate and things like that um and i love all of our primary sources in our scene, but um, unfortunately, yeah. you know, they don't remember a lot of times. Well, they were busy partying a lot, so they're... <laughs> right, and, and how could they have ever known, yeah, right, exactly. at the time, you yeah. know, that that, that was going to matter, that someone is going to care right. about when did that sticker go on that guitar, no. you know, yeah. like if you imagine right now yeah. you have running a band, yeah. if it was 2023 and you're running a band, that in the year, you know, whatever, 60 years beyond that date, someone's going to care that there was a sticker on it then versus three months before or later, yeah. right? And, and so yeah. No, I mean, but, there, we were talking about that the other day. I mean, well, first of all, Tammy, and I, two things. One is I didn't realize both of those guitars, the um, Alligator and the Martin, were purchased at the same auction. I know. I just figured that out now. <laughs> you probably told us then, but... Uh, secondly, uh, Tammy and I got to hold both of the, I mean, you know, the the, uh, the Martin uh, being oh, the uh, the source of uh, the, the guitar that Ripple was recorded yes. on. Yes. Uh, you know, I have that in my hand. I know. 
And I'm like, okay, I feel every bit of this, you yeah. know. Uh, and the alligator speaks for itself when you hold it and strum it a little bit. Yeah, it's so true. But I think we were talking about you know, who who would have ever thought, you know, in 1972. I, mean, I was asking you, you know, like Jerry played it for a couple of years, alligator, right, mm-hmm. and then just kind of went on to something else. And I think I said, what, why? And you, you, why do you think that is? And I think you said, well, he was always searching for the next yeah, thing, yep, right? Yep. The next thing. From the minute he started, like with music in general, he yeah. was always wanting to better himself and yeah. study right, and, and learn. It's a, a part all, of the dead that yeah. I feel like people don't get. Like they probably don't. my parents. How most smart of all, they are. Lots of people one. like that, right? Poor but how, I, mean, how, I mean, Phil's a genius, right? And that they were innovating, <laughs> right? Yeah. They were they and they yeah. cared deeply, right? Totally. I mean, there's this vibe of like, oh, hippies and they don't care, or whatever. Yeah, it's so not what it was. Right? No, and and uh, they couldn't have possibly known that however many years later this is 50 plus right, right. Uh, that people would be dissecting it <laughs> the yeah. way we are yeah. so they were just like rolling through it yeah. and the fact that we're even talking about it is incredible yeah Go. and you know and I, I wouldn't do i wanted to talk a little bit about your documentary too this is you, you're good i okay. got you all right Go ahead. um but we were we, we had this conversation about you know you wanting to carry on you know just you know carry on and get these other bands that are you know interested in this and it just so happens that i thought you better we better tell him about this for the the documentary but that instagram that you showed me about this kid who's autistic that's his uh his mother started dating a deadhead and um he would play the music for him in the car and then finally took him to a concert and they showed him at the concert he was just he did, the minute he heard the music, he just he started, and they said that like seventy percent of his autis, autistic symptoms have gone away since he went to that show, mm. right? And so I was just like, this is all part of what we were talking about about being church and about the music, having and then looking around the stadium and seeing these people just going crazy all in the same way, and then this kid, right? It was just like okay, one more story that, you know, but right, and um, does it surprise us? Right? It doesn't. Yeah, it's so not surprising that that my daughter, who I have three children, my daughter, the youngest, is the least deadhead of the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's probably right. not at all, but she gets what I'm into, and you know, my two sons are. But she this morning sends me this TikTok video, so cool, and says, "Check this out, Dad." And, and what it was, it was this woman in Seattle area, yeah. and she had started dating some guy that was a deadhead. And she thought it was Ron. Huh? Ron, It was Ron. Ron. And she thought, okay, well, he's a deadhead, I guess. You know, that's fine. And then he eventually he became close to her son, who's autistic. And then she kind of started to get the music. So they decided to go to the gorge, Mm -hmm. uh, and and took her. Yeah, this and took a risk of um, they they couldn't get uh, care for him or whatever. They just took the risk to bring him to this show. Um, in hopes he wouldn't have one of his meltdowns yeah. because he would just have a meltdown, right? And uh, on a regular basis. And so they take him, there's video of this. And it's this so kid, beautiful. he just got locked into the music. And, um, you know, he was moving in certain ways that you can tell yeah. it, was, it was feeding him. Um, and they said, first of all, that alone was something else. And then it, it, they said since then, and it's only been a month or mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but that his symptoms, yeah, his uh, acting out, um, 
has reduced by 70%. It's incredible. Isn't that a great story? Great. so cool. Yeah. I know. So I was like, that has to be included in the, in the you know, the, the yeah. tribute something. Yeah, because it is, I mean, it is so on every level, and on, you know, whatever continuums we're talking about, yeah. you know, yeah. for, for struggles we all have, um, there's medicine here. Yeah. Right? And, and you feel it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and whether it's emotional pain or whatever it is. I mean, just taking, you know, your child, a special needs child, to a show is a risk, as you're saying, right? right? Um, but what a community to do it in. No mm-hmm. kidding, right? right? I mean, I wouldn't so do forgiving it you know, to a lot of bands. That's but, right. But well, this community, you can wouldn't want to take them to, like, a KISS concert. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no. Chance for me to uh, shout out Music Heals, right? Yeah. Music Heals International, yeah. Which, yeah. of which I am uh, proudly the board president, Sarah Wasserman, executive director, and... Uh, it's just something that um, you know Sarah and I especially Sarah I mean the healing power of music uh, for Mm -hmm. the kids um, is it's unmatched so and I think you're also though talking about that's one way to pass it down but the others is just the generations I mean this is a generational thing and we are so it is so obvious that the younger kids uh, that are, are coming into this, and we talked about walking through Shakedown at the, the Dead and Company, yeah. uh, and the 16 year old kids, you know, their bands playing, and it's amazing. But this, I think, this what you're doing is so much a part of that, is it not? Yes, thank you for saying that, and and really, it's because of the higher ethos, right? I mean, when I was getting into the band, I didn't know that, you know, I just was doing it because it felt right. Um, I, but the reason it felt right was because it's there's something that's right about it, right? Um, and so, you know, um, the, it is about that ethos. You know, it is inclusivity. Um, it's it, There's a no BS thing, yeah. you know, and I, I feel like that was something that Jerry really brought to it. I've, I, I didn't know him. Um, my closest contact to Jerry uh, was um, at after Warfield gigs. We would run around the back of the stage during, like, Midnight Moonlight or whatever as he's rapping. And then try to catch him coming out the stage door, you know. Um, and uh, the closest I got sort of in that was he came out, and uh, there were three or four of us, and he walked by us, got into a van, um, he rode shotgun with the driver, you know, super cool Jer, in his uh, brown leather jacket, and he waved at us. Ah, you know? take and, it. And that was like, you know, yeah. that well, Of course, he world. was looking at you at the other shows, oh, yes. right? Everyone, right? <laughs> he was looking right at you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we slept um, in the same bed. Yeah, well, yeah, we have a whole story about uh, <laughs> a, house we, a house we lived in. Um, oh, we're gonna Recently. Tell the, can we tell the story? Yeah. Uh, quickly, the, the, Don't the house, mention names. I won't name names, but the... Uh, years. We were yeah. renting a house... Uh, before we move back to where we are now. And um, the uh, the owner of that house said when she was 12 years old, her mom, who was a very artistic, a musical person, uh, they were divorced, the parents were divorced uh, recently. She was 12, and she came home uh, one afternoon, and uh, Jerry Garcia walked down her stairway her dad's uh, robe on. wearing her dad's robe. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh. And so we just happened to sleep in that same bed. Yeah, and we were, it was the house, I, so I first... It was all furnished. I called, <laughs> like, it, oh, so I called it the, the, the Jerry Garcia Memorial Stairway every time yeah. somebody came Amazing. over. But uh, wow. anyway, that's a yeah. side story. But I do think his, you know, um, his way, right, um, was, is, you could say, the way, right? Um, life is short. Um, and so, sorry. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so um, life is short, and we all know it in so many different ways, all, every one of us. Um, and so, um, you know, why waste time? You know, um, let's make the most of it, Thanks. right? Why, why bullshit? Why do a job you hate? You know, why be forced to um, take your music and stick it into a radio single when you would rather just go play, yeah. right? Um, and so um, that ethos, right, um, means something and has meant so much to all of us, right? That's why we're still here, I think. You know, it's... Um, I know for me at the time, in the late 80s, my parents were divorced when I was four and 74, or it started then. Um, I think it ended maybe last year. <laughs> kind of joking, but not really. But not um, really, yeah. I mean, they did, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of divorce they had. Um, and so, um, and then remarriages and things. Um, and so, for sure, I was looking for a family, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I found one. Boy, uh, is that's a common God, theme, is it not? I hear that a lot. That oh is gosh. such a common theme, yeah. And, and, and not only in the music, but just all the people, huh? I mean, yeah. like oh, us yeah. here and your yeah. family yeah. that we right. share yeah. with. And, yeah, right. So yeah, exciting. and just sitting here with your family now yeah. is and very we, special yeah, to and us. Yeah, if you want to share anything. Cause it's, I think it's, you should. It's a big deal. I think you oh, should. Oh, my gosh. We're all going to cry probably when Andy tells us this story, but... Yeah, so uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the long version. So uh, uh, during COVID, I, um, I noticed my eyes changed. Probably a lot of people did notice things like that during COVID. And, and you know, I got to go to the doctor. Whenever this thing ends, I'm going to go to the doctor, right? Um, and so uh, I, I'm a surfer as well, and I have um, a uh, um, tergium or something like that it's called on my eye, um, which is something that surfers get or people who are in the sun who have lighter eyes can get. And, um, anyway, um, I'd called my doctor about it and, um, I had to go to a friend's, uh, brother's service actually here in Ross and, um, I was driving home and, uh, my wife said, uh, the doctor called and said, um, you know, totally normal, nothing on your eyes, normal. Cause she saw the photo is just as long as your eye isn't blurry. And so I'm driving on the highway, you know, down 101, <laughs> I take my glasses off and I cover up my, you know, my good eye. And the signs are blurry as fuck. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, um, freaking out, of course. Of course. You know, of course, it's Friday. Yeah. So you have to deal with that for the weekend. (laughs) Right. Um, And so I go to the eye doctor um, and, uh, um, you know, um, he gets real quiet halfway through or whatever, whenever we start doing all the tests, you know, and you can always tell, you know, something's not right. Um, and you know, 25 more minutes of tests and things. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, this is this, this isn't whatever he's thinking, you know, he's, he's not happy. Um, and then he says to me, um, well, I'm really, really sorry, but there's a mass, you know, in your head, you know, that's why your vision's doing that. Um, and I need you to go over right now to Stanford and uh, get a brain scan. Um, and you know, meanwhile, I'm crazy dilated. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if you guys have this, but it almost feels like you're shrooming again or whatever, um, you know, just because there's that visual thing, you know, happening. And so you're in a really weird place. So I called back uh, my wife who's here, um, and, you know, relayed this news as I'm like driving, you know, from downtown Palo Alto to Stanford. Um, and I, you know, go into the R and they had, uh, he had warned them or whatever. So they were ready and they did an amazing job and it was, I felt very held in a great way. Um, but for the next um, 12 hours, you know, I was thinking about my sons and, you know, um, really hoping, you know, that I would get as much out of life as I could, of course. Um, I was assuming that I was definitely gone. 
Um, and uh, but I just wanted to live as long as possible to raise my kids, right? And and that was terrifying. Um, um, but um, mercifully, um, the scan came out clear, um, which which they were really really surprised. Um, and um, apparently, um, I have retinal folds. That's what that is. Um, and apparently, I'm just one of those weird people that can get retinal folds. They don't know why. Um, but it's not that. So, yeah. so that was really obviously a massive relief for all of us. Um, and as scary as that was and as intense as that was, and it did change me for sure. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it really, um, it's amplified, I guess, um, some of the stuff I was saying before about life is short and, um, and don't waste your time, you yeah. know, bullshit. Yeah. Um, however, um, last January, um, our son, um, had some swelling on his Adam's apple and of course, you know, you know, any parent, right. You have that dread feeling, you see it. And, and I'm like, you know, um, it's January. Yeah. He'd had a terrible sinus thing right before or during his finals before the holidays. So I was like, oh, maybe it's viral or something. Stress. Yeah. Stress, whatever. Um, and so uh, we, we booked an ultrasound. We waited a week and then we, the doctor said, oh, let's just see, you know, and then, and then he did an ultrasound. And usually when you get an ultrasound, um, at least in my experience, um, they usually tell you you're good or whatever. Um, but the, um, they didn't do that. They yeah. said there's something there. We don't know what it is. There's something there. And so we were like, oh, you know, really starting to get worried. And so we said we need to do a CAT scan. And so, um, you know, we, we schedule that. Um, and then same thing. They say we don't know what it is. Um, there's definitely something there. We don't know what it is. And, and the vibe was very heavy, right? And so we were, you know, shitting bricks. Um, and, you know, I'll just share that that was a fear. I, I, I cognitively, I'm a psychotherapist too in my day job, so I've worked with people through situations. I've sadly lost three clients uh, to terminal illness. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, you, it's hard not to think of the worst, right? Um, and... It was terrifying, like I said, um, but I, I didn't know that level of fear. Um, mm. Right. Mm. Mm. Paled in comparison to your own fear of your own life. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Exactly. That's right? kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, whatever fear I had that yeah. time, yeah. Yeah. it was nothing, nothing compared to that. And, um, you know, all the while, you know, you got to put on a good face. You know, mm. it's your baby, yeah. and you need to be... You know, you be need there to be for there. Him, right. Know? So, you know, um, Beck and I <laughs> would cry and, and mm. stuff, you know, to the side, but, you know, try to be, you know, I wasn't fake with, with Hayden about it, um, but I also wanted to be strong and You positive. didn't want to lose it. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. And so, um, you know, but um, having those talks about mortality um, with, you know, uh, my uh, 21-year-old at the time, um, was brutal. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, what, what he shared, um, you know, his, his fears, um, and, you know, I'm a therapist, my wife's a teacher. Um, so we, we've had a very open home, you know, about problems. Um, and really, uh, the ethos in our home is, you know, we make all of each other's problems, our problems, whatever it is. And I've we've been doing that since they were little, you know, they lost a Matchbox car. You know, my dad was like, what the hell, what's the problem? It's a Matchbox car. And, you know, I say, you know, I treat that like it's my cell phone or my wallet. 
you know, that's how he feels. So yeah, I'm going to fucking look for it. You know, yeah. I'm going to help him find it. Right. And if we can't find it, we're going to replace it. You know, we're going to we're not going to just pretend it's no big deal. That's your problem. Right, because you're six or seven or whatever, <laughs> right? Because right? I personally feel like that's part of the problem we've had in humanity all yeah. along, right? If we right. could just respect and love each other yes. from start to finish, yeah. we'd have a way better Early world. on. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was super, super heavy. And thankfully, um, an ENT at Stanford, um, a specialist, ordered, uh, he was going to do a biopsy on it. And he said, you know what, I, I have a feeling this could be a really deep kind of assist that's like deep inside the neck and and so i'd like to do an mri and it was uh um yeah so amazing when we found out that it was a, a benign cyst and he was you know wasn't what we feared the most and uh um he did a surgery in the end of april at ucsf um, the cyst had burst so um it was a little bit more complicated. They had to call in a specialist to help remove the tissue um, because it had, you know, kind of got all crazy in there. And they, they cut him at the um, Adam's apple and then had to go up to the base of his tongue on the inside. Um, so it was pretty extensive, The what they had to remove. Because um, cysts, like, do that. I guess yeah. they're, like, long, longer than you think mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, they tails. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they have to, tra- you know, track it or whatever. And so... Um, you know that was a massive emotional roller coaster um and this summer um as he's been healing and as a 22 year old does his neck has been healing really well and the line is sort of uh, will be in a wrinkle line one day not yet (laughs) um but it's going to be fine in that regard um but uh anyway um earlier in july um you know as a parent i've been staring at his neck profusely since all this has been going on you know we were in hawaii in june and you know anytime you look in the sun you know look up or whatever or something i'm like staring at his neck you know making sure it's all good it's healing everything looks good so i was very much on top of it um not i don't know if he noticed or not um, <laughs> but um anyway in early july um he was sitting on in front of our fireplace and doing that and i was studying his neck and i see a big bump and my heart sank you know i was like oh my god um and i just said don't freak out but i just need to feel your neck because i i see something and you know i was really hoping it was a shadow or a whatever you know a pimple your imagination anything right um and then i touch it and it was really hard um and one of the things that was stressful about that was when we were going through all that stuff in the winter they were saying you know, we're, you know, we're, we're concerned, but it doesn't feel hard. And a lot of times cancer can be hard. So, you know, doctors tell you things to make you feel better, which is great. But then a few months later, you're like, oh, crap. Now I'm remembering that phrase, right? So I totally freaked. And then, and the same kind of thing. It was the beginning of the weekend. So (laughs) have a nice weekend, right? Always. (laughs) So we stressed, you know, massively that whole weekend. Um, And then, uh, you know, I've gone through, uh, we went and met his general practitioner. Um, I mean, I kept telling myself, like, okay, rational mind. They were just in there. He's he's done all these scans. There's just no way it could be something horrid, right, at this time. That fast, that fast. That fast and all that. You know, I don't know if this is real wood, but I'll knock on it. Anyway. So um, we met with his general practitioner. He felt that he was like, it's definitely something. You know, I don't know what it is. Um, and so you're kind of like, you know, and, and and I get it. You know, we're human. You know, they have to have the end of their day. Okay, have a nice day, but you have to go home, right? You have to think about it. And, and thankfully, um, Jay Blakesburg had been working on getting um, Graham Nash to, um, you know, reacquaint with Alligator. And we've been texting about that. And... Uh, 
Um, Jay was like, I'm not hearing back from Graham's camp. I'm not sure what's going on. And I, I texted back, no problem. I mean, we have a lot going on in our house, so you know, it's totally fine if it doesn't work out. Um, but right when we got back from that general practitioner visit, um, Graham uh, had gotten back to Jay, and Jay reached out and said, it's on. You know, meet us in Berkeley at Freight and Salvage. And so we jumped in the car, and for, for Hayden it was really intense because he was feeling a lot of anxiety, yeah. understandably. And I know Becky um, was amazing and talked him through, you know, you got to do this, right? It's mm. Graham Nash. You, you, you'll feel so much better if you go. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling the gear and stuff and getting it ready. And, and so he's like, yep, I'm in. Let's do it. We hopped in the car. We go. And we get to the sound check. And they were just rapping that. Um, and then we opened up the two guitars because Graham was going to play Jerry's Martin. And then Shane Fontaine, um, Graham's guitarist, was going to play Alligator. And the pros that they are, they, they open them out of, the, out of the cases and plug them in right into it, and they sound check teacher children, uh-huh. and, and we, uh, we melted. And, oh and Jay um, uh, had just lost a friend, um, um, beautiful spirit, who passed away in a, in a plane crash that weekend. And so he was in a real raw place, too. Um, and we, you know, it was, it was so medicinal you know yeah. um as it can be and we were all mm. you know crying and hugging yeah. you know during that sound check and wow. then we went out to eat and had a great talk and and then um, came back and got to watch the show and it was so fun too because the whole night was amazing and Graham was crushing it and the whole band was crushing it um but we didn't know um you know uh, you know how how they were going to do it all right um and then and then but we had a feeling it's coming right it's got to be coming but right. it, you never know now right because right. you know it's the music world maybe there's a curfew yeah. who knows what's going to happen right. yeah. but um there it was in the encore you know here's the moment you could see and they came out with the guitars and the place goes crazy and and, and i heard people behind me like oh my god that's alligator what the hell that's alligator you know <laughs> and then graham being the amazing storyteller he is tells the whole story about that he know, had gifted that to, 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 jerry. to jerry yes right? exactly yeah. so jerry played um on pedal steel on um, deja vu on for teacher children and um and amazingly too i have read about it now that it was the first take um, that he knocked it right out of the park on the first take of course um, he did another one but apparently graham and the, and the group said the first one was the one, you know, and he and he rocked it. And so um, Graham was in Texas um, at a, and saw a pawn shop, this um, blonde Fender Strat, and knowing Jerry was a Strat guy, and, and that was the gift, his, his way of saying thank you. And then, you know, look at all the history that begat, right? Oh. It's just unbelievable. Um, but to come back uh, uh, with my son, um, you know, we had to do an ultrasound on this new pump, and... Um, uh, we did that today at UCSF, and uh, we were told we would find out tomorrow um, the results. And um, his surgeon emailed him about an hour ago, and um, he courageously opened it without us <laughs> even knowing. And uh, the surgeon said um, that she thinks it's scar tissue and he doesn't have to do another surgery. And, uh, yeah, so we are elated. Oh, oh okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Must have a code that you can live by, and so become yourself. 
Because the past is just a goodbye Teach your children well Their father's hell did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams the one they picked, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why, if they told you you would cry. So just look at them and sigh, and know they So I, I'm so happy thank you for telling so, that, know, and um, uh, the fact that we're just sort of recording well, this. You know, we're trying to archive music history. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, uh, Logan life. family history yes. um, memorialized at yes. this moment, and we. Um, uh, um, yeah. And so it's heavy, right? It's and heavy. I know. Like I, I have not cried this through. Like I, I yeah. was, when I was in Hawaii, I, I did some crying. But I have, I you know, I have, a, I have more in me, right? And, yeah, oh, yes, you do. And now, now this <sighs> news, um, I feel now like you can let it go. Yeah, I can really let, it go. let it go. Right, it's gonna yeah. be a good show tonight. I know. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Alligator, notwithstanding, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just gonna be a great show. But um, I mean, so I, I saw you guys hugging and, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, know, they were hugging because you know you're just going to the ultrasound, and then I just. Sort of stumbled upon the fact that Hayden got the email, and it just—it just we just all so we're celebrating. Yes, Let, let's we are. Look. We're celebrating uh, Hayden. We're celebrating the Logan family. We're celebrating Grateful Guitars. We're celebrating life. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that's what it is, Dennis. Because okay. it's what yeah. matters. You know yeah. What I mean? and, that, and those those situations, you know, we are so blessed that they worked out well. And and I you know I do I am not religious uh, classically. I was raised Christian, but I I don't go to church anymore. But I am very spiritual, spiritual and sure. I've done um, right. a lot of spirit work um, in alternative uh, ways, mm-hmm. um, and so I've done a quest ceremony and some African spiritual stuff. And so I do make prayer um, three times a day, and um, you know a, a, a very common refrain of late is uh, praying for families going through health situations like yeah. this. And so um, I just want to say for all of you out there. Um, my heart goes out to you. Um, there is no stress. Nothing like that. No greater. Um, Nothing yeah. Greater. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, as supportive as people are, uh, and we are, you know, to each other, um, you never know. It's very interesting. Um, the people, sometimes the people you think are going to be the most amazing with these, with these kind of scares. Um, kind of, and I don't, I don't fault them, but sometimes I just can't deal I mean, with it. Mm. Yeah, no. and so um, it can feel like God, they didn't really feel like they even heard me, or they were yeah. listening, or they they changed the subject to the football game, or whatever <laughs> it is. And you're like, dude, I could give two shits about yeah. that, you know. Oh um, but but that's where they're at, and yeah. I totally get it. And then there are other people you meet who you barely know, right? I mean, you know, yeah. you guys, I'm, I'm yeah. just getting to know, mm-hmm. and I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. We, we have that. Yeah. That, that, that feels. Right yeah. yeah, and that's 
and that's really you know so much to me about what our scene is about it's a collective of many people who are Definitely. like us yeah. in the dead scene and I want to uh, give a huge shout out to Dark Star Orchestra yeah. um, I love that band um, musically but also really more importantly humanly um, they're just such amazing people mm-hmm. um, but really you know Alex and Nate and Zach and, and um, Jason and everyone on Grateful Guitars so many people on our scene were so um, loving and kind yeah you know um, and that stuff um you know it means the world right and and tony here tonight yeah you know i mean what an amazing man he is such a good tony saunders by the way i'm just acting like everybody knows what we're talking about but uh, (laughs) the keystone keystone revisited tonight uh tony saunders uh johnny mojo and, and we saw we we went to a show during the un the sort of the known unknown phase of this in the winter and and Hayden loves uh, he's a big music fan and loves mm-hmm. 60s 70s 80s 90s music as well as the 2000s and has turned me on to tons of great bands out there wow. Bonnie Dune go check it out <laughs> um, and so uh, anyway um, um, he loved seen Keystone Revisited and loves Johnny Mojo and if you mm-hmm. haven't seen Johnny Mojo play oh my mm-hmm. god go no. see Johnny Mojo he is unbelievable. we talented. just heard the sound check on Alligator with Alligator yeah. and we're yeah. the same old thing right yeah. it's like incredible you can hear that. something you know what's so cool about our scene i mean obviously my heart always aches for jer but we are really lucky that um you know in a way obviously it's very sad he's not with us but because of all these bands playing you get a lot of different types of players Mm -hmm. right doing this music Mm -hmm. and um this sort of bluesier style jerry style if you will um and to me i'm putting um, johnny mojo in that band um, John Mayer in that bin, mm-hmm. um, Eric Krasno in that bin, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an example sure. or whatever. Um, you know, it's so cool, right? Because I, I love sort of traditional Jair mm-hmm. and those players too, mm-hmm. but there is something about all the different flavors, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, I, in my mind, I don't know if other people do this, but um, I have the kind of Jerry's who are like unbridled, where 
um, you never know where the jam is going, those guys. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, that was a very Jerry quality, right? You know, in the middle of Watchtower or whatever, you're like, where's this going? Sick, but I don't know what's going to happen. There's a little bit of, you know, feedback maybe happening in the middle of the jam. And sometimes Jerry would just stop and, okay, jam's over. Or or would go into fanning and something and then stop or things like that. But to me, like Garrett Deloian and Zach Nugent, to me, are those kind of Jerry players. You know, and then there's geniuses like Stu or Jeff, you know, where their jams are perfect, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? And they're amazing. And yeah. they, you know, they go in this beautiful place and they end with an exclamation point right. yeah. like perfectly as if they've, you know, mapped yeah. it all out or whatever. And so I just adore the differences. The differences, you know? Yeah. It's so fun. fun. Yeah. And so, so we're so glad to be here tonight because, you know, we were, so we knew great. he had his ultrasound today and... Um, we were thinking, okay, this is the perfect medicine for post-ultrasound yeah. worry because you'll be right. distracted by this. But yeah. now we're extra stoked because it's, yeah. you know, it's celebratory, you know, and uh, it couldn't be with a with a more loving, yeah. heart-centered vibe. I mean, Sunshine. Yeah, Sunshine. Well. Sunshine's here. I, like, I forgot right. the Sunshine's yeah. here. She was oh. amazing through this whole process. Oh, and yeah. um, I, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone's names. I just uh, cannot thank the scene enough for um, how loving and kind everyone was as we went through this whole thing um, and all the unknowns. And like I said, it's just so cool because, I mean, it's surprising, but it's not surprising, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always awesome when you see people um, live their ethos, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that's living their Mm -hmm. ethos, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people talk about stuff, but then when the rubber meets the road, they're not there. That's right. right? But in our scene, we live it and we show up and that's, that's what you feel, you know, yeah. when we're when we're at shows, right? And I know tonight people will be hugging and there'll no. be stuff going on that mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics of, but I know the vibe, I can. right? And if yeah. someone's like getting touched during Dear Prudence or some song, mm-hmm. and I see tears going down their cheek, you know, and I have my own going down mine, yeah. or whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter. But why. we're but there's something really real that's happening, and and I feel like that's something that's really important. It's something that um, Jerry. And Bobby and all these amazing people started and Big Steve and this whole culture. And it's begat so much um, incredible music, but also technological advances. Elizabeth Furman, Alembic. I mean, there's a million examples, right? Um, Bear. I mean, you know, just the list goes on of people that um, influenced, you know, Candace Brightman, you know, the, the entire speaker array for modern concerts. Well, you know, it's just so many amazing things have happened. But it really, and all that is super cool, mm-hmm. but still to me, and, and Hayden is a philosopher, so, uh, and I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. and as I said, my wife's an educator, so we talk a lot about heady stuff, but that really is kind of what it really is at its core, and, and, it's the and, philosophy. And that, what you're talking about is also true, it's what so much, many of us share, um, and then it's accentuated by the fact, without question, that it's happening with these instruments yeah. <laughs> that were played, yeah. right, by the original artist Jerry Garcia in this case um, with Alligator. I oh mean, my gosh, yes! And so just combine those things. I mean, everything you said is true anyway, mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> yep. now you bring this guitar into this club bring tonight to back. put it into the hands of the players, yeah. and it just brings so much. I mean, we've talked about this. This is what you're doing. You're 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 allowing these these artists to bring that into the room, bring the history. The, 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 we talk about the magic yeah, that, that magic. comes, right? But it's the a magic. combination of magic. magic, 
and oh. history. Oh, I love it. And there it is. I yes. love it. I have this, I'm pointing yeah. out my magic in the other shirt. Magic in um, the other. So Ezra, I, stuff has to get a shot of that. I just, I just feel like it's, it's magic and it's. Um, but it's history too, yeah. you know. And then you 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 get the specific tones that are uh, so much a part of this, right? The specific tone of the era. So the magic, the history, the tone, and you, you have all this. Could you explain, like, for the maybe the non musician or the, if you will, the lay person, the tone? Yes. I mean, what what does that what does that mean to you? I think it, I know what it means to, to me because I. Here, the seventies. You know, I saw my first Dead show, as I told you, in seventy-five. So I kind of know that the tones mean. But explain that—that the tones that you're seeking. Thank you for asking, because it's such an important point. You know, it it goes back to feelings. You know, Mm. tones. You know, they evoke feelings, and um, for all of us listening to the songs that we would listen to, whether it's a bootleg or an album or or the live show, um, you know, you got a feeling when you heard that, and, and maybe it was because of what was going on in your life at the time, or maybe there's just something about that one jam or that one lick that Bobby does, or Phil, you know, um, or Brent, um, where it's just dreamy and it just takes you somewhere, and you have this, you you get teary-eyed. You know, it happens to me a lot. You know, when I listen to um, I remember um, there was a, a bootleg from 84 um, in, uh, um, in Oregon. Um, I can't remember the exact date right now. I mean, it's 5, 6 or 5, 8, 84, um, something like that at the Holt Center. Um, and it's a Looks Like Rain. It was my first bootleg. Oh. My uh, buddy Willie, <laughs> Willie Miller gave it to me. He's a big deadhead and um, had a big hand and turning me on. And, uh, you know, I still listen to that. It's actually one reason I love the GS1. Um, it's a, you hear this dreamy, you know, right when Bobby's going into his jam. And it's just these sounds, you know, and it's like, um, it's hard to describe, you know, uh, with words. Um, it's like trying to describe a sunset. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, like I say, splashy and dreamy. And it just, it just gets your soul, you know, it gets right in there. And, and so, you know, you love it. And then, as a gearhead, you want to replicate it, right? You want to find it, and you want to, because you, you want to hear it again. You want to be able to do it again. If, and I'm not skilled enough always to make the exact sounds that I wish, but I can do like you know, fire in the mountain or different intros, you know, through my Jerry rig, through my vintage Mutron, and man, does it sound cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I am very mediocre. So sometimes I'll see people commenting, the gear doesn't matter, gear doesn't matter, it's all in the hands, and, and I understand what they're saying, because there's absolute truth that it is in the hands so much. Hayden was remarking earlier, like, how different Shane Fontaine just sounded on Alligator next to Johnny Mojo. Same guitar. Yeah. Completely different sound, right? Wow. So the, those people that say that yeah. are correct. Yeah. But it's but like so many things in life, it's both, right? It's both. It's the yeah. Two things can be equally true, right? right? Yeah. And yeah. so, and because I know I can do, you know, like I say, certain things, you know, um, that sound very Jerry esque. Um, that means if you put it in the hands of a really skilled player, they're going to get those tones out of it. And I think what it goes back to is the dead really wanted to say something, right? Um, Nate LaPointe is a teacher, of, uh, guitar teacher of mine, and uh, said this a lot to me that they, you know they're communicating with their instruments. And so, you know, if you are communicating, you don't want to communicate with a mask on, right? Mm-hmm. Like in COVID, that mm-hmm. sucked. Oh, sucks. Right? <laughs> totally sucks. So um, if you're playing, you want your the tone you intend, yeah. what's in your heart, to yeah. come through and then be heard by the fans, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Rick Turner, um, rest his soul, what an amazing man, uh, incredible memory. 
um, he said to me that, you know, when you walked away, like a mile away from the wall of sound, it sounded crystal clear. And God. how cool is that, right? I was yeah. like, oh my God, yeah. this sounds amazing. Yeah. Like a giant stereo on a hillside yeah. or whatever, right? That's what it was. But that's the point, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, the dead wanted you to hear what they wanted you to hear. And they wanted to communicate something. And they want they don't want that to get lost in translation. They want, if they want to evoke a tone, they want, and it's, and it's jazzing them up, they want you to be yeah. jazzed up by that tone. Yeah. And so for us gearheads, we're, we're trying to protect that and make sure it doesn't get lost. You yeah. know, there's a lot of gear... Um, has gone digital now, and and that's um, cool. And I'm not anti or whatever. I'm sure Jerry, you know, I've, we saw with MIDI and things that the dead, you know, were embracing new technologies. I don't think that would have changed, but we'd also don't want to lose the past stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so I was sharing with you guys how you know I've got a bunch of vintage gear yeah. as we need as deadheads, like those Mutrons. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Sounds and I, different. I was asking you, true with the statement, right? They don't make them like they used to, right? Exactly. I mean, that's very true. Very, very true. Yeah. And you and you can't replicate it yeah. in in the digital form. I mean, you can get close, and there's some really neat things. A new Mutron Four is a badass pedal. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, I recommend it. Um, and you know, if you want that old sound, you know, if you definitely want to nail that, mm-hmm. you're going to need that old gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, to your point, Dennis, um, there are not a lot of people still working on this gear and uh, Peter Miller shout out to Peter and CAE sound and San Mateo. Um, he just had uh, a, um, a medical thing and uh, he's, he's doing really well. So I'm very happy, um, but he's not going to be able to work forever. I mean, right. we need yeah. people. Shout who are, out to those people. Who, right. Because, <laughs> because who's going to fix that yeah. Ibanez? Or a call you, out to them. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not shout right. out, call out. Yeah. yeah because, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. UE400, you know, that makes these incredible Bobby sounds from the late mm-hmm. 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. Personal favorite mm-hmm. of mine. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know if you noticed my, my weird era. era. <laughs> yeah. And just, I just love that. Your Those era. sounds, right? And it's so, to me, just quintessential, right? The dead. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like at that time, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, it all ended in 74 or whatever. You know, I hear that sometimes on, on the Golden <laughs> yeah, Road show. Yeah. You know? yeah, not um, no. And, you know, I to those people, I always say, you know, so you're going to cut out Terrapin Station? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Shake right? down, yeah. fire them out, yeah. right? You yeah. know, let alone Foolish Heart and lots of yeah. other great things that came. But, you know, obviously, again, it's the whole. It's not just that. Um, yeah. But it is, um, there is something really special about, to me, that um, late 70s, early 80s, because it... Um, you know, the Dead & Co. shows we just saw, to me, were very reminiscent of Dead in the 80s. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they, they kind of found something, and mm-hmm. it felt like an 82 show wasn't that different than 86 or 88. Yeah. You know, and then it kind of feels like um, that is what you know to be, you know, that big dead sound. And I was so stoked to bring Hayden and my other son, Wyatt, um, <laughs> who are both really getting into it. Um, to the show on Saturday night. Yeah, at, Saturday at, night uh, was a great show. And oh. they got such an amazing list, too. Oh, and and Hayden's favorite song is Morning Dew. I love and it. I was so I hoping it too. for him because of all that was going on, right, with his neck. Yeah. And, that's and so, so great. many shows I was at in my time, and, and they played Stella Blue or whatever, yes. which yeah. I adore. Yeah. But it was always like, you know, so I didn't want to have my hopes yeah. up, you know, like it was going to happen. And then it happened. Yeah. yeah. And so they got, some, they got, they got a taste of that oh, magic, that's so right? So cool. Well, I mean, the, 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 back to the magic, and then the players. It's going to be different, like alligator. It's going to be different with the different players. But back to the magic. I mean, what's what's coming through these these players with that instrument now? Uh, we've heard more than once. It takes them over, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, we heard we heard Garrett talk talk to us in this room actually about how. 
um, playing. Ali, all of a sudden, he just looked around and said, oh, my God, I'm, you know, how did this happen? It's happened with you as well, playing, right? It has, yes. And, Explain and, that. Um, I, I mean, yeah, right. Uh, it is. Uh, we'll or describe insert, it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is something that happens. I mean, um, not everybody is open. You know, I don't I don't think that is a big deal. And maybe they, you know, maybe they had a bad day, whatever it is. But for a lot of people that hold these instruments, they will feel something right away. You're just like, Whoa. You know, and I'm thinking of, you know, um, the Lady Fingers yes. with Jerry's middle finger and just and that band, another band is so kind and so sweet and also an amazing band to go see just here. Beautiful people. We right. Just so amazing. Um, and they were blown away by the energy of Alligator. And, mm-hmm. and, and then that just flows, you know, the flames from your stage will spread to the floor, right? It just flows right out. And that whole night that we were together at the yes. Guild, yeah. you know, was so incredible. And Garrett, you know, I'm always saying... You know, I get it. It's your job. If it doesn't feel comfortable, you know, you don't have to keep doing it. You know, you can put it up on in front of the drum kit. Mm-hmm. It's cool. People love looking at them. You know, <laughs> don't worry about it. Play mm-hmm. it for one encore, whatever you want to do. Um, but like that night was a great example. He started playing it, and I know Garrett is an SG guy. He's not uh, traditionally been a Stratocaster person, mm-hmm. um, but he loved it mm-hmm. and it loved him mm-hmm. and they were together in this amazing place right yeah. and at separate you know we were all like all blown way. away right yeah. and you know we're all sweaty and dancing and he's sweaty and <laughs> and i'm I, I said to him like you know gee you don't have to do this you know if you don't want to do a second set not don't do it on my account yeah. right you know yeah. you have just blown everyone away yeah. you can go play scarab which was a guitar we gifted him from Grateful Guitars, or go play your SG, whatever you want to do, but you don't have to do this. And he was like, no, no, man. <laughs> he stuck with it. Yeah, I'm in it. And he's like, this is, this is happening. And that's what it is. It does happen, you know? And, you know, for me personally, I've found that many times I've been playing that instrument where I am not that skilled, and I don't know the fretboard and all the notes, what they all, where they all are. I mean, I know the cage method. I'm getting that down pretty well. Um, but I don't know the notes. I do things more by feel anyway, but still, um, it, the guitar has told me, or Jared, or somebody <laughs> has told me, you know, leave the string you're on and go over to this, you know, string and mm-hmm. on this fret and hit the next note. Wow. And, and you know, it happens. I do it. If, if I'm closed, I don't, and it doesn't sound as good. And if I'm open, yeah. I do it. Um, and, you know, shout out to marijuana, too, because yeah. it does help <laughs> a lot. It really does. I mean, I, you know, I... I know it's a drug, and I get it, but um, there is something pretty amazing about yeah. um, psychedelics in general in that way yeah. that open us up. And if we listen and follow, um, and I don't think we need to keep doing it all the time or whatever, or go crazy with things. We have to always be measured. But um, anyway, it is true that that seemingly helps you know, open I up. Mean, and, and Garrett admitted there. it. He said, I... Uh, we're going to have to insert the clip from <laughs> Garrett talking about that in yeah. this part of this. Well, yeah, we should. A song, we're going to insert the Yeah, cause he, he because he admitted it. And um, he, he goes, I don't know what happened. And if I could do my best uh, keyboard player, John Gold, from uh, Jerry's Middle Finger impression, we all know who was playing that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Well, uh, the Guild was, man, that was a, quite a treat. Uh, our alligator. good friend Andy Logan brought his uh, recent acquisition, the Alligator, Jerry's Alligator, for us to mess around with for the first time. And we all just sort of jaws hit the floor when we saw that thing so it i don't know it, it fed us with some it gave us an infusion of yeah some mojo for sure <laughs> you could feel it i have a question because i was wondering at what point did you lose control <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> up there and somebody 
else take over? Or was it a combination no, thereof? I don't know. I felt I felt pretty focused all night, but there was one moment where the guitar did play itself. I, I noticed uh, I was singing, and I was conscious of trying to uh, play lightly so that I wasn't sort of stomping on my own singing. And all of a sudden, this note came out that I didn't play that just rang out and I went whoa, whoa. that sounded pretty cool <laughs> it wasn't intentional so it was like something something came out by itself that was pretty cool sometimes you can see a spirit at one point in the show I don't remember exactly where you said real close to me I think this guitar is playing me <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, yeah. We all know who was playing that yeah, guitar. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I remember uh, when we first when we first um, had Alligator out, um, yeah. which was in uh, Jeff Madsen's hands um, in February of twenty. Everyone thinking, okay, it's going to be an amazing year, twenty twenty, right? <laughs> you know, it's going to be incredible, Alligator, right? Um, and um, and also too was fascinating at the time. The guitar, the strings were really the action was crazy high, um, and the. Um, uh, Rick had to do a little bit of work on um, the bridge to get it to screw down a little more to kind of make it a little more f- uh, friendly. Um, but the frets are really low, the action's really high. Mm-hmm. I was re- genuinely worried that it was maybe going to be really hard to play. Um, but Jeff, I handed it to him downstairs at the Warfield. I'm like, I got to tell you, I'm really worried. <laughs> you know, you got this gig. <laughs> Right, and Rick's there, and Betty, and all these people, and yeah. it's a big reunion, and, and oh, yeah. Jeff, you know, puts it on, and quickly goes through some scales, and he goes, no problem. Got it. <laughs> and he crushed it, oh, absolutely yeah. crushed it, so and there cool. were um, there were some people there um, who were uh, spiritual, associated with the band, um, and one of those people was talking about... Um, um, the spirit who you wouldn't be surprised to, to hear in their sense was there yeah. and they felt them there and, and they even the specific part of the war field they felt them there oh sure oh. and uh, it was so uh, amazing um, and so um, you know there is a there is a spiritual component to it right um, and Hayden is holding up a photo over there of uh, Shane Fontaine um, when he was done playing Teacher Children um, oh. Can we see that concert? <laughs> Is it anybody streaming? I don't. I don't know if there's any recording or anything. Oh. Um, they were, you know, uh, they were pretty adamant about not yeah. cool, pulling your phones out during it. Um, so oh, they were. Glad huh? that I kind of like that in a sense. Just wondering if there's any way to. Well, I know um, my, my, our good friend Jeff Allen was at that show and invited us, and we oh, couldn't what? make it for yeah, you know, whatever. Know I don't so, even want to think about it. Go but on. what I want to say <laughs> about that is he he held the instrument like you see in that photo, and it was in the light, and. It felt wow. to me like it was Shane and somebody else next to him. Oh, not no. Jer, but just oh, somebody, somebody else. else. So it didn't have to. It wasn't not Jer. It just it wasn't it's, like oh, it's Shane and Jerry up there. It was just there was another being on stage. Wow. And I, you know, and I was dead sober. Um, and uh, um, it's actually one of the recent shows I've been dead sober for, and we had had a heavy day as I mentioned before, and so I was dead sober. And it didn't matter. <laughs> and it was it, that's how I felt. And um, you know, in the car ride home, I uh, started talking. We were talking about the show, and then Hayden said to me, um, "Gosh, you know, when he held the guitar up, it just kind of felt like it was a person." Yo. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I had the exact same feeling. And I don't know if other people did, too, right? But there is something really special about these things. And there is a magic in the Grateful Dead. And I, I truly believe there is a magic in everything 
you know, this table, um, every human. I really believe that. Um, and I think it's our closeness that cuts us off yes. from some yes. of those things. Um, but, but alligator, let's just discuss alligator, the, the, the being. Um, <laughs> how lucky of a being is alligator? Right. 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 Built in 55, right? Oh. I don't know where it went between there and 69 or whenever mm. Graham bought it at the pawn shop, but, you know, probably had a cool life knowing alligator. Probably <laughs> did some cool things. <laughs> We're probably going to find out someday. It recorded some crazy hit, in, you know, in 58 yeah, that we don't know about. We, we may find out. Right. right. Um, yeah, we I know, yeah. right? It's curious. Yeah. Like, what? Because I, I have no idea. And yeah. I would love to know. We have time. We like, have time. Yeah, maybe, maybe the maybe. pawn shop, oh. you know, maybe someone will remember. But the, um, but now, like since then, I and mean, even just since then, right? I mean, Jerry Garcia, or, or sorry, Graham Nash owns you, and then Jerry Garcia owns you, and you blow doors with Europe 72 and all the things, you know, played from, uh, he first played it on 1230, 170, I'm sure, from like I was sharing the wood grain in that photo, but it was not alligator then. It was very much kind of like a white, Strat or natural looking Stratocaster. And then um, he starts playing um, with Merle, right? So uh, Tony's dad, who's here tonight. Um, and uh, the first JGB style music is getting played on it, you mm. know, in early 71. And at that time, Jerry was playing the peanut guitar um, that Rick had made. And then um, Alligator starts in earnest. It did play with Merle, so it's not like it wasn't earnest, but as far as Grateful Dead history, yes. it starts in earnest on May 29, 71, and it gets played all the way to Jerry's birthday, his 33rd birthday, um, in uh, um, uh, 8-173. Not his 33rd. Is that right? It's born in 42. I need the math there. 31? 31? We're not going to help Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I was told there was no math there. Um, so 31. Thank you. Um, so uh, anyway, but so Jerry plays it, and then, you know, it has the, the whole dead history and all these things. And now since then, you know, all these bands who have played it since, right? You know, all these um, followers of the Grateful Dead, like a Jeff Matson, so many of these bands that are playing it, Johnny Mojo Tonight, um, you know, too many to name in this moment. Um, but then also people who are really well-known, you know, who are so excited to play it, right? And, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, obviously last summer with um, Susan Tedeschi yeah. um, and especially David Hidalgo. I mean, well, I don't want to, I'm not saying, because God, Susan Tedeschi was so oh, amazing. I mean, and yeah. I was so stoked because as far as I know, Alligator was not played on stage by a female performer oh, until oh, then. Cool. Oh. And um, of all the people, she so deserved to. I mean, yes. she sang this music. She loved the dead. She's and she's also, going back to that blues thing, yes. a total badass blues guitarist. And she fucking crushed it. Like, uh. The first couple of numbers she did, she was kind of doing a little bit of more backup to Derek on those numbers. And Alligator can do that. But <laughs> I was watching kind of going, ah, it's cool. But I mean, Bring I want to, you know, I really was stoked. And then uh, to hear a little more. And then she handed it off to her tech um, who did whatever text do and did some stuff that made her more comfortable. Um, and then she blew doors. Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, go look up those on yeah. notes because they are incredible. I was, was going to ask you. Yeah, the video is on notes yeah. and, and they're there. And okay. she just threw freaking down on it. And everybody was blown away.
So oh. that was incredible. But I want to go back to the the first set um, of that night, which was David playing it, um, which was unbelievable. And I'm going to try not to cry again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, he's playing it. And Hayden was with me, and we were um, side stage, and there's David Adalgo, and there are tears coming down his cheek, which, you, I mean, on side stage, you could see. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, we, Hayden and I were talking, and I, I said, you know, they're, David's talking to Jer in a way only they know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how amazing is that, right? Wow. Like he hadn't seen his buddy since he passed, oh, but he's wow. got his axe in his yeah. hand. Yeah, wow. And they speak, you know, amazing electric guitar. <laughs> I wish I could. I do not. Um, and they were they were conversing, you know. Wow. And he played in a West LA that was just unbelievable. Um, and mm. you know, in the band there wasn't a dry eye and. Um, Evangeline, you know, the band was saying in after the show, there's always like a you know team meetings that you've seen, right? right where they're sure. all kind of debriefing, and they were all like, "David, I haven't seen you that amped for an Evangeline like that in so long, or whatever." So and it was cool. so cool, and you lit up, and and, cool. and we were kind of joking, it's the love machine. You know, alligator should be called <laughs> the love machine because this guitar, you know, it's it's its own thing now, you know, and and because of all these people that have played it, you know, it's it's it it was amazing. It's always been amazing, but now it's getting more amazing. Well, let, let me you know? let me add something to the history you've just um, you know gave us with the ownership and who's had it and who's mm-hmm. passed it on and this person had it. Now you own it. I know. Andy Logan owns it, and let me tell you something. That's just as important as any of those other folks that have owned it and played it because of what you're doing with it and totally what you're great. doing with the other guitars that you own. And I mean, that is not incidental it's not insignificant Thank and i you. know you wouldn't say it but i'm yeah. going to say it thanks you and a Thank good segue into announcing the yeah. benefit yeah so the benefit <laughs> we're that this will be released probably <laughs> the benefit will probably we'll come be out talking about but here's what we're going to do we're going to we're going to come back okay and talk to you after the benefit and we're hopeful as you know of uh interviewing some of the players mm-hmm. uh, that evening right. yes yeah, to hear so. what they feel about this yeah. you've set it up so perfectly cool <laughs> and that's going to be our next thing this is going to be a two-part series awesome and, anytime and uh, grateful guitars my goodness um everybody go check out grateful guitars yeah. this is this is wonderful and i can't wait to talk to those folks after after hearing this and after seeing the tour seeing, and just you know and, and getting their thoughts because one thing we like to do tales from the green room is get that vibe you know, at while the moment, happening. while it's happening, and what a perfect opportunity. So hopefully we'll get it. Yes. And uh, if not, we'll talk to them later. And we're going to, yeah, we're not going to promote the show because this will, this is going to come out after, it. but that's okay. We are going to say that we're going to go see Alligator right now <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with Tony Saunders and uh, Keystone Revisited and Johnny Mojo and yeah. Scott Guberman. Um, yeah. Sunshine is going to be out there. I can't wait. I can't wait to go <laughs> be there when yeah. you hug Sunshine, all of you guys. Right yeah. Now. yeah. About this because, yeah. and by the way, Sunshine was our very, very first, first guest. Oh, cool. On uh, it was called the Woman Are Smarter podcast. That version, along with Lisa Mackey of the Dark Star amazing. Orchestra Lisa and the Lady Fingers. So, cool. so they all were mentioned yeah. here. Some deep, amazing women there. Right. And they uh, listen to it someday. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty per, good. It's a pretty good Lisa one. So anyway. Um, Andy Logan, man, thank yeah. you so and much. Family. So my Thank pleasure. You. And, and we are not done. 
Thank yeah, you. We can't be you. done. There's so much more to talk about. No, but, and, and uh, this handing them back. Oh my God. Yeah. Steph's here, our photographers. Yeah. Thank you Steph. for, for yeah. getting into the ethos of it too, because so much, I mean, the gear and all the sound and music and all that matter, but but it really is um, so much to me about about what matters at the heart of it all. You yeah. know, and, and you know, I, I have a saying I've been saying a lot lately about um, the antithesis of that in our scene, which I call the greedful dead. Yeah. Um, there's the grateful dead and the greedful dead. And, you know, I am really, really trying to always stay in the grateful dead camp. And I think it's not hard. You know, these mm-hmm. ethoses are, are pretty simple. Um, but it's really just, you know, checking our egos at the door mm-hmm. and, and doing it um, for service and then being rewarded for it. You know, I mean, that really is what happens. You know, when we when we make others feel good, um, it just kind of goes back around, and I really yeah. feel like Jer, you know, and Bobby, and like I said, the whole band and Big Steve, and you know, this was something they created, and we are all so blessed to have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I truly see it as a duty to pass that down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and like I was saying to you guys, I I really think as well, you know, saying our our documentary, you know, is about the scene. And it might be like, gosh, a little is it a little too, you know, happy or Pollyanna in that way? But no, no. we need this no, right now, do. especially right now as human yeah. beings, because, you know, for a lot of good reasons, people aren't as you know, religion has had its issues. So there's been reasons people have gone away from it. But we need something. We need mm-hmm. another, right? We yeah, need we other. And this scene has done that for all of us. We're mm-hmm. really lucky. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just hope that. Like when, you know, um, Michael Nash, who's a, a good friend, uh, sure. um, yeah. had um, um, Adam from War on Drugs play it at Sound Summit yeah. last year. Yeah. Like some yes. people might be like, you know, what the fuck's Alligator doing up there in War on Drugs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was Alligator there for War yeah. on yeah. Drugs? Yeah. Well, I have a picture of it. The, the reason is, is because, you know, he's a deadhead, so he he's into it. That's number one. But, you know, number two is, you know... This is about spreading this yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And so, like, if there were any Los Lobos fans who weren't really into the dead or, or Tedeschi Trucks fans who weren't into the dead and they were there last summer, they were like, hey, I think I'm going to check this out. Yes. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I guarantee they're going to find something they dig, right? Because yeah. you've got yeah. if you've got the ripple for the people who are like that and then you've got, you know, <laughs> new yeah. potato caboose if you're into, you know, that or whatever or the other one or, you know, there's yeah. so much range so there. Much. And so, you know, our, our hope as a family is to pass this down and keep mm-hmm. this whole thing going because mm-hmm. it's brought so much love and joy to our lives and we know it's, that love and joy is there for everyone who mm-hmm. wants to be a part of this scene. We, it doesn't matter what you do or what That's you right. wear, how you dance, any of it, you are welcome here. So mm-hmm. uh, thank and you so much for making me feel so welcome today yeah. too. And it's the heart that matters most, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. Okay, wow. That is, I I, uh, dropped the mic. I don't know, what do I do here? (laughs) Let's go see some music. Yes. And let's go celebrate, Let's go celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate life. Yeah. Wow. All right. Grateful alive. Grateful alive. Grateful alive. (laughs) Yes, totally. There we go. Totally. Grateful alive. There we go. Grateful alive. We'll take it. Could you do one thing? Can you say how excited you are? Because I know I moved the mic right on there. You did what? I moved the mic. And you're you were so excited, and you said, "I'm so excited," and then the mic went. Oh, about the about the music about tonight? The tonight. Oh, I am so excited about <laughs> the event tonight. Oh my god, this is gonna be so fun. I'm so stoked to do this with you guys too, because we're gonna have a blast. Let's go do it. Let's do it. All right. 
Thanks for listening to Tales from the Green Room, a presentation of Mount Tam Media. You can hear more spontaneous stories from the secluded confines of green rooms on our next episode. To experience all Mount Tam Media productions, including the Woman or Smarter podcast, log on to mounttammedia.com. We'll see you at the next show.